Welcome to Pro Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro choice person in only seven. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I cannot believe we are here. We're today going to learn the fourth and final part of the seven minute argument the persuasion test. So up to this point, you have presented the circumstance, personhood, and pro-life case parts of the seven-minute argument. You now need to tell if the pro-choice person was persuaded by it. You need to get the verdict, so to speak, from the pro-choice judge. Before we dive into how you're going to do the persuasion test, um, I want to give a couple of quick housekeeping notes. First, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. However, you're going to be really confused because this episode is the culmination of all of the other episodes we've published to date. So leave, go back, listen to these episodes in order, and then join us back here once you're all cut up. That way you can be tracking with what we're going to cover in today's episode. Um, Second, if you are not on the email list yet, I really don't understand what you're doing with your life. (laughs) It's like insane to me that some people who listen to this are not on our email list because I'm like, guys, I literally send you the resources that you need to have these conversations in an email for free. Like get on the email list. It's amazing. It's okay. You don't have to. I'll I'll love you anyway if you just want to listen. But seriously, if you want to actually present these arguments to pro-choice people, you're going to need the outreach card. You're going to need our workbook. So go get on our email list. You can sign up at www.abortiondialogueacademy.org slash podcast or by clicking the link in the show notes below. Everything I'm going to talk about today, it's going to be in your workbook. Don't feel like you have to take notes. Just get on that email list so you get our workbook. Okay, so now we are going to dive into the persuasion test. So the first step of the persuasion test is essentially to ask the purchase person what they think of everything you've said so far, because you've been monologuing at them for some time and you want to get their thoughts. So you're going to say, I found that a lot of people are pro-choice because they've never heard a secular argument for why abortion should be illegal. Have you heard this argument before? What do you think of it? Now, let's break down the important language here. So notice how we're starting this out by communicating to the pro-choice person that a lot of people are pro-choice because they've never heard a secular argument. Why is this important? Well, first, it's important because notice that you're highlighting that this argument is entirely secular. For a lot of pro-choice people, if you bring up religion in a conversation, they treat it like a foul in football. It's a flag on the field. They now get to discredit everything you say afterwards because they don't subscribe to your religious views. What you're showing the pro-choice person in this step is, hey, I've not brought up religion at all. This is an entirely secular argument. And more than that, I've found that a lot of people are pro-choice simply because they've never heard it. Now, this is good, too, because unfortunately in our society, there's kind of this, you know, pride in being stubborn and not changing your mind on things. And what you want to do is you want to help the purchase person kind of get around their own ego, so to speak, and show them like, hey, it's normal to change your mind on something when you're presented with new information. And for a lot of people, this is new information. 
So then you're going to go on and ask the purchase person, you know, have they heard this argument before? Get them to articulate like, no, I actually have never heard this. This is totally new information to me. And then also asking them what they think about it. And then you're going to let the purchase person talk and tell you what they think if they've heard this argument before or not. And what you'll find is that purchase people are going to say one of four things at this point in the conversation. So the first thing they're going to say is kind of like something to the effect of like no comment. So they'll say, you know, the argument's good. They've never heard it, but they won't really give you any kind of counter argument pushback, so to speak. So that's the first response you'll get. The second response you'll get is they will return to a circumstance argument. So if you remember from our the three different types of pro-choice arguments podcast episode, a circumstance argument is when they're assuming the fetus is not a person. So typically they'll bring back up difficult situations, you know, that women find themselves in as, you know, the reason abortion will still needs to be legal in these cases. So they'll return to circumstance. That's probably one of the most common responses you'll get. Third response you will get is something to the effect of, I don't want to force my views on others. Like, yeah, I agree with you, but I just, you know, I don't feel like I can tell other people it's not my place. It's kind of this, I don't want to force my opinion type response, which for the record is technically a circumstance argument, but I'm going to explain in a bit why I kind of categorize them differently. And then the fourth and final response you'll get is sometimes, very rarely, you'll get a really in-tuned pro-choice person who will actually kind of return to a personhood argument. Because if you remember, circumstance arguments, forcing your view, they're really just assuming the fetus is not a person. And behind that assumption is the argument that it's not a person. So if a pro-choice person is really tracking with you, they're just going to jump right back to personhood because that's really what they're saying when they're saying, well, what about poverty? I don't want to force my view. They're really saying to you, like, I'm still just not convinced it's a person. Sometimes they'll just tell you why they don't think it's a person still. But most of the times you're going to get one of the first three responses. You're either going to get the no comment, you're going to get another circumstance argument, or you're going to get a forcing your view objection. What you're going to do next is you're going to build common ground. Now, this is probably one of the most important parts of the conversation. Because unfortunately, there is a misconception amongst pro-choice advocates that pro-life people really don't care about women or babies, which is honestly very surprising for pro-life people to learn because they're like, what are you talking about? We give all this money to charity. We do all this volunteering. Like, what do they mean we don't care? And the reason that pro-choice people think this is because unfortunately, the way that we have been arguing this issue for so many years has been to contradict the common ground, which is what I talked about in episode number three, which is essentially where the pro-choice person brings up these hard situations. And what we're trying to communicate to them is, hey, none of those justify killing a person. But the way it comes out is poverty, teen mothers, rape, societal issues with the foster care system. None of that's really that important. And so the reason this step is so important is because if we want the pro-choice person to know that we do care about women, that the pro-life view is not incompatible with compassion and empathy, then we need to articulate that because the pro-choice person is not a mind reader. I encourage volunteers to say something to the effect of, I think as individuals and as a society, we need to do more to support women who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy situation. Like there are very real socioeconomic reasons why women feel like they can't have a baby and they need support, whether that's reforming our maternity leave policies so women don't feel like they have to choose between their job or a baby or providing additional financial support for women who are living in poverty or trying to finish their education with a child, or even just destigmatizing unplanned pregnancies for unwed and teen mothers so there's not as much social pressure to get an abortion. 
Now, if you remember from episode three, when I taught you how to build common ground, your common ground needs to be genuine. So if you think there's nothing wrong with our maternity leave policies, you shouldn't say that they need reform when you're talking to the pro-choice person. I just give this kind of common ground as an example of the type of things you can say at this point in your conversation. So after you build common ground, you're going to go into the last three challenge steps. Now, these steps are designed essentially to address the objections the pro-choice person probably brought up already after you asked for their opinion in step A. The first is designed to address the circumstance objections. You're going to start by saying, well, I agree that unplanned pregnancies and blank can create real problems. I just think killing an innocent person is not an acceptable solution to those real problems. The blank is where if the purchase person gave you a circumstance situation argument, for example, poverty, you would insert it into the blank. So you would say, while I agree that unplanned pregnancies and poverty can create real problems, I just think killing an innocent person is not an acceptable solution to those real problems. Now, if the purchase person didn't give you a circumstance, you would just omit that blank part. So you would just say, while I agree that unplanned pregnancies can create real problems, I just think killing an innocent person is not an acceptable solution to those real problems. Now, let's talk about the power of this step. Notice that we're agreeing with the pro-choice person that unplanned pregnancies, all of these societal issues they're bringing up, they can create real problems. Pro-choice people have this misconception that this is a debate about poverty or teen mother or foster care, and that what they're advocating for is like helping women in all these hard situations. But that's not actually where the true disagreement lies. Like we're all in agreement that these are real societal issues that need solutions. Where the disagreement lies is what is an acceptable solution? There's kind of this misconception that like pro-life people either like don't think these problems are real or that they're not serious or that we don't want solutions to them. But what you're showing the pro-choice person is we're actually all on the same side here. We all want women and children and society to flourish. We don't want people to suffer. We agree with you that these are real problems. That's not what this debate is on. What this debate is on is what is an acceptable solution. And that word acceptable is really key here because abortion is technically a solution, but killing innocent people is not an acceptable solution to real societal problems. It's not acceptable for the mothers. It's not acceptable for the babies. And it's just not acceptable for our society. And that's why you're sh- saying to the pro-choice person with this step, I just think that killing an innocent person because this is what we've just proven that abortion is. Abortion is killing an innocent person. And that innocent word is also really key here because we don't want to let the abortion issue get confused or conflated with other controversial issues or other times that we allow legal killing like self-defense or war or sometimes even the death penalty. So we're showing the pro-choice person that regardless of what they think about all those other situations, abortion is categorically different because it is killing an innocent person. And killing an innocent person is not an acceptable solution. So it's not that these problems aren't real. It's that killing people is not a good way to solve them, not an acceptable way to solve them. And this is a really powerful step. Now, the next step is also really powerful, and it's going to be responding to this forcing your view idea that the pro-choice person often says, but sometimes it's just thinking. And what this step is, is to say to the pro-choice person, There is a misconception that pro-life people want to force our personal opinions on others. But in reality, we just want the most uncontroversial law, the law against killing innocent people, 
to protect all people. Let's talk about the power of this step. You're addressing head on. There is this misconception that pro-life people want to force our personal opinions on others. They maybe think that we just have this religious, weird personal opinion, and we're now trying to shove that personal opinion down other people's throats. But that's not what's happening. That's not the reality. The reality is, is that we just want the most uncontroversial of laws. Think about it. The law against killing innocent people Killing innocent people, that is one of the most uncontroversial laws in America today. And we want that law to protect all people, born and unborn. So notice how with this step, you've really addressed the concern, oh, I can't be pro-life because I'm like going to be forcing my view on others. And really, you're just showing them, no, all you're saying is that all people deserve protection in our society. We want the most uncontroversial law, the law against killing innocent people, to protect all people. And then this leads us into the third and final step. Now, this is where you actually find out if you change the pro-choice person's mind or not. So this last step is to say, I'm curious, after hearing this argument, if you've come to the same conclusion as me that abortion should be illegal in every circumstance because it kills an innocent person. Now, let's talk about the important language here. So you're curious. They've just heard this argument that they probably have never heard before. And you want to know if they've come to the same conclusion as you, that abortion should be illegal Notice this illegal here. In every circumstance. Now, the in every circumstance part is really critical because, you know, them thinking it should be legal in fewer circumstances is progress. But we don't count those people as, you know, persuasions if they still think it should be legal in some cases. Now, we do celebrate that progress. But for the sake of our statistics and metrics, we only count them as persuaded if they think it should be illegal in every circumstance. So you're asking the pro-choice person if they think abortion should be illegal in every circumstance because it kills an innocent person. Notice again that we're using the word innocent. If the pro-choice person says yes, that they think abortion should be illegal in every circumstance because it kills an innocent person, congratulations, you have just persuaded someone. If you were doing this on a college campus, I would encourage you to ask them for their contact information to see if they want to get involved in the local pro-life club. Keep in mind that not everybody is going to immediately want to join the pro-life club after they've you know, changed their mind on this issue in such a short period of time, but a decent percentage will, so it never hurts to ask. Our college volunteers are all trained that if the person changes their mind, they should ask for their contact information or ask for their contact information if they were pro-life at the very beginning of the conversation. And this is really great because we've actually doubled the size of the pro-life club on every campus we've been on. Now, if they're not persuaded, which will happen more often than not, I want to encourage you to end the conversation. Now, this is really hard for a lot of volunteers because we have this desire to persuade everyone, like we want to reach everyone. And so some volunteers will start to do what I call a Hail Mary. <laughs> where they're like, okay, this really strong, compelling argument didn't work. I'm going to try that like rhetorical thing I heard on the radio this morning and see if that works. And the problem with this Hail Mary approach is that the purchase person is going to remember the very last thing you said the best. And the purchase person is going to remember the tone of the conversation. So keep in mind that while we persuade 20% of people on the spot, anecdotally, we know that more people end up changing their mind who we find out about after the fact, who refind us on campus, who end up joining the pro-life club. So what you want to have happen right now is you want the pro-choice person to leave the conversation with this argument fresh in their mind. 
And you want them to leave on a positive note. And a lot of times what happens when volunteers start doing Hail Marys is they start kind of just saying a bunch of things and the purchase person gets this feeling that they only get to leave this conversation if they say that they agree with you. And that really bugs them. And so they end up getting kind of tense and frustrated and annoyed and they leave the conversation not on a good note. And they also will only remember the last couple things you said. And if the last couple things you said were like sort of dumb rhetorical things, well, that's not going to help them change their mind. What you want the last things for them to remember to be our steps one and two of the persuasion test, because those are really, really powerful steps. So as hard as it is, I'm going to really encourage you to keep your expectations realistic, recognize that 80% of people are not going to change their mind on the spot. Some people's personalities just need to absorb information slowly to think about it, to process it over the course of several days. Don't take it as a failure that the person didn't change their mind. You need to accept that you planted some seeds, you gave them some good things to think about, and to let the conversation go. Don't destroy that seed you planted just because you're trying really hard to change every single mind because it's going to be ultimately counterproductive. With all that being said, we have now finished the seven-minute argument. I have taught you all four sections, circumstance, personhood, pro-life case, and the persuasion test. As always, you are going to have the most success if you memorize the exact language we use in each step. We spent a lot of time field testing this language, and when you do each step the way we teach it, it ensures that you're clear, that you're concise, that you're precise. So memorize it, memorize it, memorize it. The argument is going to be the most persuasive when you memorize it, use the words we give you instead of trying to put it in your own words and risk making it less clear to the pro-choice person or more confusing. Um, With all that being said, many of you are probably curious, okay, well, what does this actually sound like when you string it all together? In our next episode, I'm going to play a audio recording of a real conversation between one of our volunteers, Caleb, and a pro-choice woman. We obviously got her consent to record this conversation. So all of you listening can hear a full conversation start to finish. That episode will also include an interview with one of our volunteers, Caleb, where he'll give his advice for having your first conversations with pro-choice people. And finally, I'm also going to share some information about our College Conversations program. For those of you who are interested in learning not just our apologetics method, but also more about the organization and how we came up with these arguments. So tune into that episode to learn all of that. If you liked today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life in seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.